The Word of God is food for the spirit and health to the body. Through the spirit of revelation, we are guided into the wisdom and deep mysteries in His Word that make our lives vibrant and productive. Welcome to the Makayefu Gospel Church Podcast. As you listen in, the glory of God will be quickened and activated in your life. And now, the Word. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you all this morning. For the last few weeks or months, we've been looking at the subject of being in covenant with God. I am still convinced that it's one of the most significant things a human being can do to get into covenant with God. It has such profound implications and outcomes. And this morning, we're going to look at um, the subject the relationship between sex and the covenant believer. How is this important aspect of our lives related to our being in covenant with God? What what does it mean for a Christian who is in covenant with God? How are we supposed to handle our bodies and how we're supposed to live together as husband and wife? This is extremely important for us to to, to study this morning. And I want us to read in the book of Genesis chapter 16, we're tracing the unfolding, the, the way Abraham lived out his covenant. And as we look at Abraham, we'll be studying our own lives because Abraham is our father by, by what? By faith. Abraham is the father of the faithful. So when you study Abraham, you're studying your own life. So we chose to look at the life of Abraham, how he lived out his covenant life and what that meant to him. And today we're going to see how sex played a role in the home of Abraham. Genesis 16, verse 1 to verse 5. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go in to my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, please underline that, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, underline Hagar, the maid, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband, underline her husband, to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt in ten years in the land of Canaan, so he went in to Hagar, and she conceived when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Then Sarai said to Abram, My wrong be upon you. I gave you my maid into your embrace. When she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judge between you and me. Now, it's interesting that Sarai thought that she could use the servant as a surrogate mother, as a tool, as a vessel, 
to bear children on my behalf and that there will be no repercussions. She thought that she could hand over a maid to have sex with a husband and there would be no consequences except giving birth to a child who would be legally the child of Sarai. You know, she's a servant, slave. Sleep with her. When she gives birth to the child, the child will be mine and the matter will end there. Wow. She thought that after Hagar sleeps with Abram, there will be no change. She will still be a lowly servant, the slave that they brought from Egypt. To her surprise, she observed that when people have sex, the dynamic of the relationships change. The person you sleep with is not like any other person. There is a change in the emotional, social, psycho relationship between you and that individual. It's never the same. Even if you meet him on the street, you feel something. It is how powerful sex is. Sex is not just a physical activity. It affects your emotional and spiritual life very even if it's a casual, you think it's casual sex, one time stand. But when you look at it carefully, even if it's the same prostitute you slept with on this, when you see her, there is a chemistry there. Sex is not just like eating food together. It goes much deeper than that. Sarah or Sarai was surprised. He says, I thought I gave you this woman children on my behalf. Now look, she has become your wife. What did you expect? The Bible says in um, verse 3, then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. She thought that they would just stop there. There would be nothing even Abram, the way he treated Hagar, changed. In the home, relationships changed. The home was disrupted because of that one night Abram slept with Hagar. In fact, this is one reason why in some workplaces, romance between a senior officer and a junior officer is prohibited. You cannot have a commanding officer having a romantic relationship with a junior officer. It is forbidden. Why? Because it confuses the way how you issue commands. That sergeant is no longer just another soldier. You sleep with her. She has an age. She has part of you. She's no longer just like any other soldier. That is how powerful this thing is. And I think Christians, we need to be reminded that before you go to bed with anybody, think. Yeah, think. Because there will be changes. There will be things that take place that you probably didn't expect. Now, if you're a teacher, a lecturer, a pastor, if you're someone 
that is superior. You should be very careful how you treat those that are within your realm of authority. A maid. In fact, that's why some maids, after they sleep with the with the husband, they begin to change how they treat the wife and how they respond to instructions. They get an air. The moment you see your maid has changed the ocean. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm, I'm <laughs> well, when the maid no longer submits to the wife, it, it, there's something that happens. This this woman said, Look, she's not despising me. I gave you my maid. Now she's despising me. It's because sex has a profound impact. The first thing I want you to write as the lesson this morning is sex among covenant believers is radically exclusive. Sex among covenant believers is exclusive. I have brothers. Some of them are gone, but I have a few left. I don't share Sabrina with them. Thank you, honey. I am expected to share my resources. If they're in need, I can help them. I'm expected as a Christian to give and share what I have with others. But there is one thing in my life that no one else can touch. It's that woman. It's a exclusive. And the same thing with her to me. No one else can come in my life as my wife does. I am exclusively mama for you. Yeah. Because that's the way God designed it. We don't share husbands. We don't share wives. I know there is a trend. There is a trend these days. It's a vogue. It's a way that people now think they are modern. They are progressive. You know, people copy these white people. They want to be like white people. They have parties and husbands and wives mix and mingle. And there is a complete mess as wife X sleeps with husband Y. Uh, see, that's, that's the world. But as believers, I have come to remind us that marriage among covenant believers, I mean, sex is radically exclusive. Hallelujah. It's exclusive. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, verse 4, Hebrews 13, verse 4, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed and defile. But fornication and adulterers, God will judge. The bed is exclusively for the God says, those who breach this, 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 uh, this rule, they will be judged. There are consequences. The marriage bed is exclusive for the two, the husband and the wife. Now, turn with me to Proverbs 5, verse 15. Let's turn there together. Proverbs 5, verse 15. It says, drink waters out of your own system. 
and running waters out of your own well. If you have a pen, if your it's your Bible, if you have a laptop like me, bold and underscore the word drink, drink, drink waters, drink. The Bible is using water as an analogy for sex. It does that intentionally because sex, like water, becomes a need in our lives. And the Bible says for those who are married, drink. In other words, don't just look at the water. Don't just feel the water. Don't just stare at the water. Drink. So couples, we need to do our best to engage sexually as often as we can. There's no amen. I don't know why, but it's a, I'm preaching the gospel here. It says a drink. It means this must be something you, you, you make regular. It doesn't say look at the water, touch the water, feel it, stare at it. No, drink. So couples must, must program. They must put on timetable <laughs> these this things. Bible says drink. And he says running waters out of your own well. See that? It's exclusive. Your own well. You are own. Nor the man, nor the woman. You, your own. That is God's design for sex among those who are in covenant with him. That's his design. Your own well. It says, let thy fountains be dis let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, rivers, waters in the streets. Verse 17. Let them be only thine own, and not strangers with thee. Hallelujah. Your own. Now, it means that physical interaction between a husband and wife is exclusive to the point that even your thought processes must be restricted to your wife. Times men and women can have what we call emotional affairs. You, be, you fantasize being with somebody else. And that's the danger of watching pornography. Pornography can create lovers in the mind. You look at this girl or this man doing these crazy things in pornography, you begin to be attracted and you begin to dream sleeping with him. That if you're married, that is emotional cheating. You're having an emotional affair with someone other than your spouse. That's why we discourage believers, stay away from pornography. Or ruin your marriage. You begin to imagine things that are not there. In fact, today, we are watching the news. If you are like me, I watch news every day. And I'm following the saga between Trump and Stormy Daniels. How many of you have, have heard of Stormy Daniels? Stormy Daniels is giving Trump a run for his money. <laughs> Stormy Daniels is a porn star. She's a porn star. 
I don't know why they call them stars, but she says porn star. And Trump apparently watches pornography. Was attracted to this woman, her being one with money, invited her, slept with her, and he tried to cover up. Now he's fighting for his political life because of an affair he had with a porn, a porn star called Tommy Daniels. It all began by viewing pornography. Bible says, let them be only thine and not stranger with thee. Now, verse 18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of your youth. This verse is loaded. Why is this verse loaded? It's loaded because it says, let, let your fountain. In other words, every man here must ask God for the grace of God to always view your wife as a bride. Even when the breasts go south, even when wrinkles come in, even when everything is being challenged by the force of gravity, even when we are unable to perform as we used to when we were in our 20s, the Bible says let. That's why marriage is not for children. There is a mindset you must have to get married. It is a commitment to be loyal. Come and buy and buy It says let. Let. It's a mindset. You choose. You choose. Those breasts may not look as they were 20, 30 years ago, but you see, to you, they are blessed. They are wonderful. You say, Pastor, that's a lie. No, it's not a lie. We walk by faith. <laughs> we live by faith. This is the way of believers. This is the way for believers. I'm not talking about unbelievers. It's the way for believers. That's how we walk. Because our sex life is exclusive. There's no room for me to let my mind meander. There's no room for me to leave my wife and go somewhere. It is, a, it is an exclusive permanent relationship I have between me and Sabrina. Hallelujah. It says, verse 18, it says, And rejoice with the wife of your youth. It means... It means that now you're old. You're now 60s or 70s or whatever it is. But the Bible says, don't forget the wife of your youth. Look at her as you did when she was just 22 or 25. It speaks of longevity in marriage. It implies that marriage is supposed to last. That's why I said, our form was not for children. You need a mindset. You need to be one who is determined. God loves this woman. I'm going to be faithful to her all my life. I'll train and control my heart and my mind 
to be exclusively committed to her and her. That's the mindset. And, 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 and as the hours pass by, it says, verse 19, and as a loving deer, as a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times, always be enraptured with her love. Hindsight. Never get married to a young man who doesn't have this mindset. You need that to be faithful to your spouse. Hallelujah. Now, the next thing I want to talk about regarding sex among believers is sex among covenant believers determines how far you reach in your potential. How far you go in your potential. All of us are gifted. God has designed us to achieve certain things in this life. God has called us. God has gifted us. There's potential in each one of us. But hear me, Christians. How you treat your sex life, how you handle your sex, sexual drive, determines to a large extent how far you attain your potential. How far you attain those achievements. How far you go in your call in God. If you, if you handle your sex life flippantly, carelessly, you will jeopardize your ability to succeed in this life. It's true. Look at Clinton. Look at all these men. Look at Samson. Look, it is a principle. If you fail to control this part of your life, you may never fully achieve all your potential. It's that powerful. I want to show you something in the Bible. Judges chapter 13. Judges 13, verse 5. Talking about Samson. Judges 13, verse 5 says, For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. He shall begin, underline that word, he shall begin. He shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Unfortunately, despite all the gifting and the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of Samson, he never fully achieved his potential. He never fully attained everything that God has set before him. He only began. He only began because Samson could not handle, control his sexual drive. Despite all the things he could do, he was, he was the strongest man that has ever lived. And also very smart. He had tremendous opportunity to establish the country of Israel. He had an unusual gifting. But, but, Delilah. Delilah and those women came in his life. And... This principle, I could give you many examples in the Bible. Reuben uh, in Genesis chapter 49. Reuben, uh, Genesis 49, verse, verse 3. Genesis 49, verse 3. It says, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength. You see the potential there. You know what? The, 
excellency of dignity, the excellency of power. This man had it all. He had it all. Reuben, the firstborn, had it all. Power, dignity, strength, and stable as water. You will not excel because you went up to your father's bed. You defiled it. You went up to my couch. So the message this morning, I think, is important. If you are going somewhere with God, if you have any plans to become successful, become influential, please control, handle your sexual life. Because if you don't, it can affect negatively your ability to succeed in this life. This man, Samson, was so amazing. And until he met Delilah, he was undefeatable. Hear me. Whenever you have sex outside marriage, it's attempted spiritual suicide. Write that down. Whenever you have got sex, whenever you engage in sex outside marriage, it is attempted spiritual suicide. You may not die the first time, but keep on doing it. One day you will pay the price. Now, I don't expect a man. Don't say a man to that. Just, just, just leave it that. This man, this man was a playboy. If you read the book of Judges, you'll agree with me. This man was a standard playboy. But it is Samson. He loved the scats. He loved, he loved to play around. He was a typical, typical playboy. But a woman called Delilah. Now Delilah was not alone. Just as, just as Samson had spiritual power in his life, amazing spiritual power. This man was was amazing. He had spiritual power. When he met a woman called Delilah, she too had spiritual power. The Bible says in chapter 16 verse 4, Judges 16 verse 4, Judges 16 verse 4 says, Afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. Now, this is the first time the Bible says Samson loved a woman. All the other women was playing with them. Sleep with this one. Sleep with this one. He got to the bus to He was involved in sex out of marriage. He did that until he met Delilah. Delilah had him around her finger. Bible says for the first time the man was whooped. He loved this woman. Something different about Delilah. There was a way in which she was able to use spiritual power to draw this man holy. When you engage in sex, it's not just physical, it's also spiritual. There is a spiritual dimension to sex. That's why I said every sexual act outside marriage is attempted spiritual suicide. 
she hooked him she hooked him and the Philistines the lords you notice this this man does not leave your house can you use your your strength to ask him where does he get his strength from how can we kill him how can we render him powerless destroy him they were as blunt as that they said we'll give you money we'll give you all of us will give you um i think they said one thousand silver pieces he says to tell us the woman said okay i'll do it and she had samson around i think samson could not leave this woman some people say that some women have got power to even put a man in a bottle it's not probably that's putting it in a funnel but there is some truth in that because sex is not just physical it's also spiritual there is a dimension in which you open up your spirit your innermost being to satanic and spiritual beings to control you she was controlling this man so she said to him now samson tell me how can we where, where is your source of strength tell me how can we hurt you can you imagine the woman asking asking her her, her her customer how can i kill you how can we kill you tell me where is your strength and samson because he was under a spell he thought he could deceive them and if you could get a bowstring hair you'll be able to conquer me and she did it when she tied his hair she said she told the men to come and kill him and she said samson Christians are here he woke up shook off the whatever was tied on his hair and he killed the Philistines he did that three times I don't have time to go through everything just go back and read that three times and every time you do that she'll ask him but you have lied to me now tell me the truth how can we kill you how can we kill this man was under spell he had met another champion I repeat, every time you engage in sex outside marriage, it's attempted spiritual suicide. You may not die the first time, but keep on doing it. There will be consequences because sex is beyond just something physical. There is something spiritual about it. And finally, the Bible says, because the woman kept on nagging him, nagging him, he said, okay, okay, okay. She probably said, don't come back tomorrow. <laughs> says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, forgive me, Delilah, forgive me. Let me tell you the truth. She told them the whole truth. The rest is this story. So this morning, when we come to believers who are in covenant, sex, because of its implications, because of its spiritual dimension, must be exclusively among married couples don't go outside your marriage it is risky it's risky now you can say amen to that all right okay bible says in first corinthians chapter 6 verse 16 says what 
Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Sexual union is not just physical activity, it's also a spiritual union. People are not just joined physically, but there's also a spiritual union and transfer. In Proverbs 6, verse 32, But whoso commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding, he, he that does it destroys his own soul. My, my Bible says soul. You destroy your own soul. Sex affects the soul. It affects the spirit of a man. And the, the, Satan knows this because the Bible says that it says in First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine to ten. It says, "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God." Even the devil knows that. Bane, look at that. Go back to verse 9. Verse 9. The devil knows that verse. He knows it. He says, Fornicators, adulterers, will never inherit the kingdom of God. Stand at your mind. And that's why he keeps people bound in sin. Because he wants to take you to hell. He wants to take you to hell. He knows, even though you're a pastor, if you are doing this, you will never see heaven. You may speak tongues, you may prophesy, you may heal the sick, but if you're a fornicate, a doubter, you will never seek the kingdom of God. Satan knows that. That's why I said it is attempted spiritual what? suicide all right now let me share with you the last thing before we pray sex among covenant believers requires self-control that's the third point i want us to learn this morning and i want us to look at the life of david in psalms and second samuel second uh, samuel chapter 11 verse 2 Says, then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of his of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman by the thing, and the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, It is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now you know. I have learned over the years that every year beautiful women are being born. Every year. Every year. My wife is beautiful, but even now to speak, there is a girl being born who is as beautiful. There's, there's no end to the fact that attract, we meet attractive people all the time. At your place of work, at the university, in your neighborhood. The Bible says 
David looked and he saw a beautiful woman. There's no harm in that because they are always being born. There are handsome guys being born every day. You'll meet them on the street. It's, it's a fact of life. But to a believer who is in covenant with God, may the Lord give you the grace to acquire self-control. Ah, you cannot please God without this discipline. Because they're everywhere. You might be working with a very attractive young woman. You may be having a maid who is very attractive. It's part of life. You, you, you are not living on an island. But what is imperative, what is critical, is that every believer must develop spiritual muscle, self-control. Without that, you cannot please God. Because we're not blind. We're made of flesh. And temptation is with us to the day we go to the grave. David looked and said, My goodness, who is that one? Eh? Who is she? Didn't stop there. He told him, Ah, this summons. He says, Ah, ah you just call her, come up. Tell her to come to my, to my bedroom. And one would think that David had self-control because if you recall, when he went to battle and he saw Goliath, Goliath instilled fear in people. The Bible says when the Jews saw him, they, they would run and hide in caves. Goliath was big. He had killed people from his youth. He had killed more people than he could count. By the way, Goliath was not also alone. He also had spiritual power. But anyway, Goliath was he's extremely fearsome. He was fearsome. And he had a record to back up his, 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 his profession and his confession. He was, he was a champion. And when people see him, fear would grip them. But David went to the front line and because of self-control and faith, he controlled the emotion of fear in him. He says, you come with me with a spear. I come to you in the name of the Lord. He controlled the emotion of fear out of faith. He slew Goliath. Now, one would expect that if you could control fear, why can't you control lust? David fell. This, this is his biggest failure in his career. This, but God loved this man. He really messed up. He really messed up big time. A few weeks ago, I went to the Toyota dealership. I took the car to be serviced. When I was there, I was attracted to a vehicle. I saw a beautiful Toyota Corolla. I think the model is 2022 or 23. Beautiful car. Even I could fit behind the driver's seat with my long legs. That's how good it is. Nice car. Uh, very fuel efficient. Beautiful car. Comfortable. It is crafted 
Wonderful. It's a beautiful vehicle. The salesman told me, sir, he thought I had money. Sir, come, come and sit in the car. He opened the door for me. He says, you can also go for a test drive. Go for a test drive. I said, I don't have time, but let me just sit behind the wheel. I told the car. It was beautiful. But I also had to exercise self-control. Because if I was younger, I'm now old. If I was younger, I would run to the bank to process a loan to buy the car. That's what I would do. If I was younger, that's what I would do. I would go into debt. Because the man really made me feel this is the car I should have. Even me with my long legs, I can fit behind the driver's seat. Brand new, beautiful. But I closed the door and walked away. <laughs> Self-control. Self-control. We will always meet beautiful girls. We will always meet and some men. We always meet people who are attractive. We shall meet them. But how far are you going to run after every scat? A good example is Solomon. Solomon wanted to sample every attractive woman he saw. He married 1,000 wives, Solomon. If he had lived longer, he would have probably married even more. This man had no self-control. Self-control is a must for believers. It's a must because you're not made out of wood. We're human beings. This man, David, should have looked and said, Manange, I thank you God for that woman. Close the chapter, turn away. He kept on looking, kept on looking. He says, who is she? Hey? Says Uriah's wife, oh, but go and call her. He misused his power. He misused his office. And he committed adultery and ended up killing the husband. Now, as I finish, men who are here and you have authority, you have money, you have means, you have position, please don't use that capacity to take advantage over women. Many men, because they can seduce and sleep with women, they do it. Just because you have the money to marry a second wife, buy her a new car. As a believer, it does not mean that you should do it. Are you following? Just because you can, doesn't mean you should do it. Self-control. David was a powerful king. You know, when he said, who did he see? They told him someone's wife says, ah, call her. Who could refuse? This is King David, my friend. This is King David. This is the beloved of God. This is the man who had conquered the Philistines. Said, call her. The servants obeyed. And the woman came. And what happened, happened. I have learned that just because you can doesn't mean that you should. Just because you are the lecturer, the professor, the pastor, you're the, 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 you're the master, this housemaid, you are 
You're the wealthy man. You've hired this girl. She's your receptionist. You have the power. You have the wealth. You have the, the influence to defile her. Doesn't mean you should. Self-control. Believers are different. We are different. We don't take advantage over people. No, we don't do that. We could. We have the means. We have the position. We have the money. There's a guy who had um, cars and he giving this campus student car to drive and she, this young woman was coming to this, this man's son for discussion and this older man be, became attracted to this campus girl. Behind the scenes, it began to, things to happen and he gave her money, buy her clothing and gave her a car to drive and the son asked the, the dad, dad, what are you doing? He says, we are friends, we are friends. To cut long story short, she, she became pregnant. She began to have children with this man. This man, when he died, this woman, this student who was a former student, has become a problem with the family. What I'm saying to you is fact. There's now a case in court because this young woman wants to take all the property. It all began by this man who had means, could afford it, gave a weekend package, gave her a car, gave her this. She became the mother of his children. Now she's become a terror in the family. Just because you can't doesn't mean you should. Self-control. Hallelujah. Now, as I finish, I don't want to end this message this way. There is hope. There is hope. If anyone is here and you've made mistakes, there is hope. These are the things that took Jesus to the cross. He knows very well how free it is. That's why he died on the cross. So there is hope. Those who have lost their virginity, there is what we call secondary virginity. And it's interesting, when a woman wises up and sizes up and begins to live a life of purity, she becomes attractive to men. It is true. Real men are put off by loose women. You will never get a serious husband if you are loose. You will never. But men are drawn to a virtuous woman. So even if you've messed now put your life in order. Because when you decide to become a secondary virgin in that you abstain from sex, you be begin to become attractive to men. I'm talking about serious men. So this morning, there is hope. Let's bow heads and pray. If you need prayer this morning and I'm not going to ask you to stand why because I'm not here to judge anybody but you know yourself if you have not walked as a covenant believer 
you do not adhere to the terms and conditions of the covenant. You have wounds, you've got scars, you've been burnt, your fingers have been burnt, you've lost your virginity, you've messed up your wife, wife or husband or marriage, but there's hope. The blood of Jesus that was shed at Calvary can cleanse us from all sin, all sin. I'll ask you to do one thing. Just raise your hand to God. Raise your hand, not to men, but to God. And say, God, this morning, I have heard your word. Please forgive me. Restore me. Put me back in the center of your will. Help me get back to the right trajectory of my life. Help me attain all the achievement and the potential you've placed in my life. Raise your hand to God, not to me, to God, and I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, this morning, you gave me this message for a reason. You have not come to judge. The Bible says that we should come boldly to the throne of grace. It's a throne of grace. The throne of judgment has not yet come. It's still the throne of grace. There's hope for every sinner on this side of heaven. Therefore, Lord, I pray, convict them, convince them, and cleanse them. Wash them clean. Bring them back the center of your wheel. And I pray that you bless them beyond their imagination. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening. We hope that you've been strengthened with His might and fortified by the Word of God. Please make sure to like, follow, and subscribe to our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages at Full Gospel Now. Goodbye.